Knoxville Tower, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, taxi via Alpha Taxiway. No delay, wind 2904, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, clear for takeoff, traffic 3 mile final. Read back correct, tower for taxi, have a good flight. Welcome to From the Runway Up. I'm Becky. And I'm Caitlin. And we work in the Public Relations Department at McGee-Tyson Airport in Knoxville, Tennessee. We understand that going behind the scenes in an airport these days isn't as easy as it used to be. So that's where this podcast comes in. Each episode, we'll give you a behind-the-scenes look of current events at our airport and in the aviation industry as a whole. So fasten your safety belts and join us on this aviation adventure. Welcome to this edition of From the Runway Up. Today, we're going to talk about something that impacts us all. Travelers, airlines, concessions, everybody at an airport, and that is airport technology. Yep, and I feel like airport technology is one of those things that you don't notice it until you do. And then you really (laughs) notice it when the Wi-Fi goes down. Yes, (laughs) yeah, and our tenants really notice it when they rely really heavily on, on our IT department. And one of the things we don't think about is how far technology really impacts us. So mm-hmm. when we come in, it's in our parking garage, it's in the terminal building, it's at the gate, it's on the airplane. And it takes a lot of people looking at that all the time, making sure that it's ready to go, like you said, or we notice mm-hmm. when it's not. So today we're joined by people from the airport's technology department who look at all facets of technology and have experience levels all across the board so that you can get a good understanding of what technology really is at an airport. So, Tony and Justin, thank you for joining us today. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves and what you do here at the airport. My name is Tony Clark, and I'm the technology manager here at the airport. And there's a lot of things that we do here at the airport that touch a lot of people's lives that most people don't even realize I'm going to start with just saying a little bit about myself and my background. I was actually a youth pastor for 18 years and spent 25 years in the military. I come from a customer service background in that I actually worked for the force support squadron in military, which is a personnel type environment. So I'm kind of PR like you guys. Oh, welcome. (laughs) And of course, anytime you deal with church people, obviously that's like public relations. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I got a, a big part of a customer service view toward things. Yeah, I think you do too. And I also think that in the role that you serve here at the airport, when we get to talking about it, our listeners are going to find that technology is really customer-based, really, truly customer-based. And so how long have you been here at the airport authority? I actually started here in 2004. And when I was hired on... So you're going to make me do math? (laughs) 15 years. 15 years. Okay. Okay. (laughs) When I started here in 2004, I literally was told before I had any training whatsoever on the airport itself, pay these bills and make sure everything stays operational. And that was literally how I started my job. Okay. And you still do those things today. And I still do those things today. Times about 50 million other (laughs) things. So Justin, tell us about you. My name is Justin McClure. I'm an airport systems technician. I've been in the IT industry for about 20 years. First job was with the city of Alcoa. I was an information systems technician, sort of the same thing that I do here. I just kept up with the servers, the desktops, and the network and that sort of thing. From there, I spent 10 years with the Blount County Sheriff's Office with their high-tech evidence and technology unit. And there I was a special investigator and did internet crimes against children. So basically, I 
specialized in digital forensics and undercover investigations. So I've been here at the airport since 2015. So Caitlin, that's four years. Four years. years. <laughs> four years. Yeah. Right. So you all mentioned a little bit about your backgrounds. So as the technology manager and as an airport systems technician, what does that mean? What do you all do? What does a day in the life of Tony and Justin look like other than being guests on our podcast? So when I started, I was a technology coordinator and Travis basically told me, make sure everything stays operational and we don't lose anything. And that's where that position started as far as coordinator goes. And of course, then after a couple of years, I had the opportunity to hire someone and I hired a gentleman named Jerry Gentry who had been a network administrator for two colleges and a communications guy for the Marines for 20 years. So technically, he had kind of retired three times and was bored and said, hey, can I come back to work? And he was a godsend. I mean, he helped me in so many ways. I basically could hand him something, and he took off and just did it. And that was absolutely wonderful. And then, of course, later, we inherited the access control system and the cameras all onto our network, which caused our network and our infrastructure to grow tremendously throughout the airport. Because you think about how many cameras we have hidden throughout the airport, which I would tell you, but it's national security. Yeah, we'd have to delete it anyway. We'd have to delete that part. Yep. So having said that, that's where Justin, Shane, and Cody come in. Cody replaced Jerry. We hired airport systems techs to come in and take over different pieces of that. And we'll talk more about that later. All right. Justin, what do you do? What does your day look like? Basically, a typical day for me, you know, we'll come in and check to see if we have any work orders. Something happened throughout the night that we need to take care of or that hadn't been taken care of yet. Kind of prioritize those and just get a good feel of kind of what's going on. We also do walk-arounds periodically through the day. So when we do a walk-around, we're checking all the public-facing systems. So that's going to be like your arrival and departure screen, your flight view screen, which shows you the map, digital signage screens, and that sort of thing. So we walk through the concourse and throughout the rest of the building. We even go so far as to check the phones that the public use on a day-to-day basis. So you mentioned FIDs and the arrival and departure screens. And for our travelers, they come in the terminal and they look at those screens to see if their flights are delayed. Hopefully they're on time. What other systems are you all responsible for that our travelers use that they might not think that you all are responsible for that they rely on? So several years ago, I was asked to put together a simplified list of things that we use. Basically, a lot of people don't see some of these things. It's like shared tenant services. Most people don't even know what that is. But that's where we take a service like a phone system, internet, or whatever it may be, and we set that up for our tenants to use. So we're very similar to a phone company or an internet provider for those tenants. And tenants, you're talking about our airlines and our rental cars and people that the travelers interact with every time they're here. That is correct. Uh, Other things that we do are the radio systems. All of our police officers, building services, facility maintenance, all those folks wear a radio at all times, and that's how they communicate with one another. We're in charge of those radio systems that communicate all over our property. And for our police officers, it's obviously a life safety thing because they have to wear the radio to communicate to our dispatch and to each other. Plus, they have emergency systems built into those radios that communicate if there ever is a situation where they're in distress. Other things that we do uh, are obviously is things that Justin does a lot of, and that's data network and hardware support. For example, if your computer goes 
down or you have an issue with your computer, either call our I help desk. I typically just fix it myself. Uh, we were thinking that, that. might not be it. <laughs> or you you have Justin on speed dial because I've I been do. in your mm-hmm. office and you, you, <laughs> you're a Mac user. And, of course, Justin is our master at our Macintosh products. So uh, he is the first call. And, of course, all of our audio systems throughout the airport, including our paging, our music, anything to do with the weather. We have weather support things throughout the airport. We have weather on our flight view which Becky actually pays that bill, I but do. we make sure the technology works. So you're a customer. We have many customers throughout the airport like that, even on staff, like Tom Macon. He's our chief of security, but he's one of our customers because all of his access control and all of his cameras are on our network. So we have to make sure all those things are up and running. The work order system, Fuel Master, which controls all of our gas lines and stuff throughout the property, FIDs and BIDs, which he hit on. That's our flight information systems and our baggage information systems. We are basically the point of contact for anything infrastructure on property as well. So if a tenant comes in and they have a contractor that wants to work on something, they have to contact one of us to get into the infrastructure and or pull cabling, get connectivity to the outside world. For example, let's say you're a Delta and Delta headquarters has IT set up through AT&T corporate. So they will contact me directly and say, hey, I've dropped off a circuit at your DMARC. Can you extend it out to Delta? So that would be a a similar thing that we talk about for tenant services. We manage all cellular devices, which is all cell phones for our personnel that we have on staff. And, of course, public relations support. Mm -hmm. We don't want to ever leave that out. No, we don't. We love dealing with public relations, in my opinion. They're the funnest to work with. And that's a scrape across the top. And I'll let Justin hit on some more if he wants to. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you hit most all of them that we take care of. You brought up public relations. One of the things that I do in addition to helping Tony is uh, edit the podcast. Yes. Which has been fun. Yeah, Justin's responsible for our new intro, all these mics, and all of our audio enhancements. So... And along with that, there's been two applications that I've written here that's specific to the airport. One's been the record management system, public safety department uses. And then the other one was to help out our airfield maintenance department with keeping track of their NOTAMs, which if you're not an aviation person, that's just information that's put out to the pilots you know, regarding the status and the, of the airport and the runways. It sounds like you do a lot of things for a lot of people at the airport, not just the public, but for also our internal markets too, like our airline tenants. What is your favorite thing to do other than work for the public relations department? Well, that was my answer. So there goes that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I personally enjoy working with the tenants in the shared tenant services administration piece. That's to me a way that we touch base with everyone here at the airport. So it's building relationships. Every day is a new challenge. When I come to work, I literally may be stopped three or four times walking in the building with questions about, hey, what's the Wi-Fi connection today? How's my radio get to the repeater? Can you replace my phone cable? I mean, there's so many little things that happen every single day just walking into the airport. So I may have a plan saying that I'm going to come to work today and do a spreadsheet on our Verizon bill and... Before I even get into the airport, into my office, I have a new plan because I get stopped by somebody and asked to do something different. And I like that. I, I love being flexible and being able to stop whatever I'm doing and go do something else. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's you. a big one for me, too, just it not be the same thing day in and day out that we deal with. I mean, we're all dealing with technology, 
but it's still it's a different piece of technology, different department we're working with or a different project we're doing. And it's also nice to work for a place that values technology so much. Basically, we have, I'm not saying we have all the resources you know, to our disposal, but if we come up with, you know, hey, we want to try the, this new technology, upper management has always seemed very welcoming. And also, just for me personally, I think one of the things I love is the people, because here we're, we're a very family atmosphere. And I had that back with the city of Alcoa, but when I did my 10 years with the sheriff's office, it was very family with my unit, but everybody else, they were in and out, in and out. It was hard to get to know anybody and really build those relationships like Tony was talking about. And that's very similar as far as working with people. One of the things that I really enjoy is when I walk through the airport, I never know who I'm going to meet, who I'm going to see. I mean, there's always some unique traveler coming through our airport. We had the Raw event over the weekend, so all the wrestlers were here. That was kind of cool just to walk through the airport and see all these big wrestlers that you've you know heard their names and stuff like that. Yeah. Every day there's something different at the facility. And you all get to see it because of the nature of your job. Just listening to you talk about the different departments and people that you have outreach to, you really have something to do with everybody here. So you do get called in on all kinds of things. It's wonderful to have. I bet it can sometimes be a curse, too, because you're here at night's. For example, we recently did a update that required us to take our servers down. And you all have to do that when we're not using those things. So we appreciate that you all think about the, the end work product, what impacts you're going to have, and then how that really communicates to the rest of the group or the rest of the airport. Yeah, we do most of our updates. We try to get started around 8, and that way by midnight, whenever the last flight lands, we're able to take down the servers and do the updates and stuff like that while no one is here. And, of course, we have to have them back up by 4 a.m. because at 4 a.m., checkpoint opens. Everybody's and back to, to business. Happen. Well, yeah. and you have to be flexible, too. If there are delays, you have yeah, to kind of work around that. I was going to say, very that. rarely do we get that whole window of time because some flight has been delayed for whatever reason. So, funny story. We had a cutover one night, and it was supposed to take place between midnight and 4 a.m. You know, when you're working with people at night and they're not here, it kind of changes things. So here's the situation. We're doing a cutover. We've got a guy. What's a cutover? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> so a, a cutover is when you change from one provider to another. So we were in the process of changing from one provider to another. And the provider had a gentleman remote in from New Jersey into our system. So he's remoted in from New Jersey. And it's almost, we did the ramp up a little early so that he could get on board and be ready to go. So we started a little bit before midnight with him logging in remotely and starting the, the transition to move. This piece that we were doing was analog lines. We were moving analog lines from one provider to another, and he had to do one at a time. Well, we had, at that time, roughly 800 analog phone lines. So he starts this process, and in the background, you hear a dog, you hear a cat, you hear a couple of kids, you hear his wife yelling at the kids to go brush their teeth. Why aren't you in bed? You know, all these sort of things. So that was the one funny part. And then as we're going through the process, about 2 a.m., everything kind of got quiet. And he's telling us as he's going through, hey, I just moved this phone number. Okay, hey, I just moved this phone number. And each one took a few minutes depending on, you know, his connection. About 2 a.m., we hear this... Uh. <laughs> He's falling asleep, and he's doing our cutover. No. Oh, and, no. and we start, hey, buddy, are you still there? Hey, buddy. <laughs> and he's snoring on the phone during this cutover. So how did you get him up? Get an air horn? 
So uh, we just kind of yelled into the phone and finally got him up. Oh. But that, to me, was one of the funniest things. You talk about working late at night, and sometimes you're working with other people that are not even on property when it comes to technology. So that was one of my funny stories. <laughs> well, Justin, have you had anything interesting like that happen when you've done anything for technology purposes? One story I would tell, when I very first started, we were in the middle of planning for the air show. And I was tasked with creating a communication plan. How are we all going to communicate during the air show, radio? How are we going to get internet to where we needed to get to? So I'd come up with this whole plan. We had a bunch of meetings. Well, here comes the air show. And I go back to where you got to be willing to do anything and everything. It doesn't matter if it's technology-related or not. But instead of overseeing that communication plan, there's a lot of times where I was just helping, you know, shove drinks into coolers and yeah. ice and helping people get from here to there. So, you know, it's not all about technology and that sort of thing. But I mean, I'm, every I'm day not is saying different. A, you never know yeah. what you're going to be doing. And every time we hire somebody in technology, I even make that point to say, today you may be working on a computer, but tomorrow you may be out plowing snow or you may be shoveling snow. I mean, we actually work as a team here and no matter what the job is, we try to assist one another. Uh, yesterday, I was pulling cables for TSA, and then I was setting up tables with Ron Pavlik. Yeah. Those are the kind of things we just kind of do as a team. We just jump in and help one another. And that's another thing I like about our work environment is it's like a family. So what kind of training goes into your backgrounds? How does someone become a part of or be involved in technology? My background is a little different. My IT history comes from being an engineer with General Electric. I served with General Electric for almost two years before I got called into full-time active duty with the military. And I was a medical systems engineer, basically working with doctors and nurses and technicians, showing them the proper way to use medical systems equipment. And then, of course, on the military side, I was teaching and training how to use software. So that was a little bit of my IT side. And, of course, the customer service comes from dealing with all those individuals when you're doing that type of training. What about you? So my background is a little bit different than, than most people. I didn't go to college, get a bachelor's degree in information technology yet. I'm actually in the process of doing that now. But when I first started, all of my knowledge has come from on-the-job training. You know, right out of high school, I worked with my cousins. They owned a software company. I worked with them just learning what I could just from them over the summer before I went to Mississippi State for, I think, three semesters, and I was just tired of school. And so I just, I just dropped out. I've been fortunate. Like I said, my first job was with the city of Alcoa. So through that job, I just make relationships with everybody that I could. And that in turn has allowed me to, to just go beyond, I think, what a normal person without a college degree in, in technology would go. But not that I'm saying you have to have a degree on the job training and certifications. I think that's just as good as college. I'll tag on to that and just say, Justin is one of the smartest people I've ever met in technology, and I feel very fortunate to have him on our staff. And people ask me all the time, hey, what do you do at the airport? And I usually say, oh, I get to manage all the smart people. Because even though Justin's the only one that doesn't have a degree, I put him in front of everyone else when it comes to technology and experience because he has dealt with it, touched it, worked on it. I mean, he has got experience. He just doesn't have a degree. I will in the summer of 2020. What role do your employees play in the grand scheme of the Airport Authority's organizational chart? We have a very diverse staff. And I guess when I say that, I mean different employees play different roles 
here at the airport. For example, I am the technology manager, so I play the role of managing the different individuals and interacting with the tenants and interacting with the contractors, where we have three different airport system techs, and they're broke down into specialty fields. One deals with security and cameras. One deals with computer networking, phones, cameras. One deals with IT support like a help desk. And all three basically could take a call at any time, but we just have different ones who, I guess, lean toward one way or the other when it comes to the specialty in their field. And of course, I manage these individuals, and then my boss is our chief information officer or CIO. Well, and I assume working at an airport, you have to have those specialties. So what do you think is different about working in an IT department for an airport? You know, we have all of these security restrictions. We have all these regulations that you have to comply with. So what are some challenges? What is unique about working for an airport that's different from your previous experience? I'll say the cost of technology is probably one of the biggest challenges we have because we're funded just like other government agencies, and we have to compete against each other internally. So a lot of our funding is, well, do I build a runway? Do I, do I buy a new computer? Well, obviously the runway is going to take priority. So a lot of times our latest, greatest technologies can't be bought with our budget simply because we have to operate other things here at the airport, maintenance, snow removal equipment, building runways, Those are the sort of things that take priority over buying a new security system, buying a new computer for someone, big capital improvement projects. We're in a competition to see who gets that funding. So that's probably one of my biggest challenges on my side. Justin, what are some of your challenges? Yeah, well, I agree with yours. I mean, funding is a a big thing because currently right now we're trying to keep alive some systems that are just totally end of life. You can't get any parts for them anymore to the point to where if that thing dies, we're trying to make plans of what are we going to do until we can get the new one up and running. And Becky had also mentioned it before, but I think another challenge is just service availability. We are a 24-7 operation, even though flights may not leave in the middle of the night, and that's kind of our small window where we can do some updates. But depending on what our project is or our updates are, that window of time starts getting less and less, especially if there's a flight that's delayed for whatever reason. Our window just gets you know, super small. So sometimes it's hard just to manage, you know, when are we going to upgrade our servers? When are we going to upgrade these systems, you know, to be compliant and to be still secure? So you get the opportunities to meet with other airport technologists and determine large or small, bigger budgets, different things. So what are some things in airports across the country that would be maybe in the future for a McGee Tyson airport? Or what can some of our listeners take back of what they might see in airports in the future? I think more and more wireless technology is coming. We're seeing it already. It's very rare now that you even see a printed boarding pass. Everything's in your hand. It's all on these smart devices. So that's probably the number one thing that I am seeing as far as technology goes. There's already fingerprint and retina scanners being used in different airports. TSA's got a system called Clear, and basically you go up and they clear you immediately off of your fingerprints or your retina scan, and you go straight to the TSA pre-check. Those are a couple of the things. You know, I think it's just a matter of time before we have cameras that can see everything and can predict different things. That's just part of technology. 
many years ago, and I don't even remember the year, but there was a movie out called Eagle Eye, and it has cameras all over the city that have recognition built in. And this was years ago, so yeah. you know the technology's out there, so it's just a matter of time before we start to use that type of technology and things. We met with Myrtle Beach Airport, and we looked at some of their common-use equipment where we're able to change gates basically on a whim. You just a couple of computer strokes, and you've changed the gate. So those type of technologies are coming. And, Justin, you've probably done some research on some things. I don't know if you want to tap into any others that we saw. Yeah, no, I think you're right. You know, wireless is a big thing. Wireless and mobile applications are going to be big, even though for us here and for me personally, I think wireless is sort of a headache. Uh, just for in an airport setting, we have so many other tenants, so many other wireless networks going on, and we have to somehow try to fit ours in there as well for our customers and our passengers. So we've already felt some strain on that. But I just think technology as a whole, as far as airports go, they'll start focusing more on the customer experience. There goes my PR yeah, I'm side so glad. here. We worry about the customer experience all the time too. Yeah, but I think it'll be, you know, like Tony already said, you know, it'll be how can we make check-in faster and safer for TSA to get some of those lines down? You know, even at the gate, before you get on the airplane and go through the jet bridge, you have to give your ticket again to the agent. Well, what if we just did our thumbprint or whatever and just went on? I mean, some airports have even have agentless gates where you just go to the gate and then they say, okay, it's time to board, and you go and put your thumbprint in or whatever they have to verify you, and then you just the gate opens and you walk in. So I think it'll be more things like that. We get asked all the time, what resources do we have in place to help with technology for the passenger experience? And you mentioned some of that. What are your favorite apps or favorite helpful things when your friends and family ask you when you're traveling? What kind of advice do you give them that relates to technology? How can an airport help you through use of technology to navigate an airport? I think some of the larger airports, I know we've we've discussed it here, but is the use of beacons. So a beacon... It's just a device, and airports can put them all around the terminal or the concourse or wherever, and they can track the passengers via Wi-Fi signals and that sort of thing to see, you know, hey, they're hanging out at the Starbucks this amount of time, or it takes them this amount of time to get through the line. That's something that we've looked at here, but as Tony mentioned, funding just isn't really there yet for us to implement beacons. And why the passengers would care is not because we're tracking you through the terminal to be Big Brother. It is more to see where things bottleneck, where there's problems, where there's areas that need to be addressed with big groups of people who move through the facility. So it's more for customer service and operational standpoint than it is to be. Well, they'll also give it to the passenger through an app or whatnot. So if I'm at gate 15 and I need to be at gate J25, what's the fastest way for me to get there? It's almost like a GPS, Yeah. except we're using beacon technology. Yeah. What else do you share with your friends and family to help them get through the airport? Personally, I like using, and I know I should be saying, personally, I like using Mickey Tyson Airport's mobile app. And I do. I think it's great for checking arrival and departure flight times and things like that. But when I'm flying, depending on which airline I'm using, I love using the airline-specific apps. I think they're so easy to use, as you mentioned, Tony, for the boarding passes. If you get any delays, they send you notifications. So I think the airlines are really focusing on customer experience through technology. So it's not just the airport who's doing it. Airlines are introducing, rental car are introducing different types of technology to make your experiences in the terminal much quicker. So, Tony, Justin, what would you like for our listeners to take away from this episode? We're talking about technology. I think a lot of people, when they go to flip on a light switch, they expect it to work. 
Well, it's the same thing with technology. When they turn on their phone or their iPad, whatever it is, they expect those things to work. Well, for our customers, we offer free Wi-Fi. We expect that to work. A lot of folks have their own data that they bring in, whether it's a, a mobile hotspot or their phone itself has a hotspot. They want technology to work. And what amazes me, and I'm still amazed every day, is how quick technology is changing. You think about 10 years ago, we were using flip phones, and we were thinking that was the world's greatest thing since sliced bread. Now we've got smartphones that can basically monitor our entire lives. So that's probably one of the most exciting things, I think, about technology and the future of technology and, you know, I want to put it out there. If anybody sees something at another airport and wants to share it with us, hey, we're open 100% to taking ideas. Don't know if we'll be able to afford it, but, hey, we're wide open to taking ideas from other airports. If you see something at another airport, send an email to info at tys.org. Or visit from the runwayup.com and you can get us that way, too. Exactly. So, Justin, what do you wish that all of our listeners knew about? Reboot your device before you call us. <laughs> that should be the tagline for a lot of things. Nine that times helps out of me. ten, that will fix your problem, I promise. <laughs> Reboot your device. That's excellent. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. We really appreciate uh, the discussion that we've had on the airport technology department here at McGee Tyson Airport, the advances in technology that we're seeing that could possibly make its way into our airport and what passengers can do to make their experiences more successful by using technology in any airport across the country or even around the world. So thank you for joining us. So thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of From the Runway Up. We hope that we gave you some behind-the-scenes access to what goes on at airports across the United States and here at McGee Tyson Airport. More importantly, show us that love and give us some ratings and reviews and let us know what you would like for us to dive into in the future. And also make sure you subscribe so that you know when our next episodes will be coming out because we have some great things planned for this next year. 